0: You're listening to the Nicene Creed, a Lenten podcast series from Covenant Shreveport, a church on a mission to declare and demonstrate the gospel in all of life. Learn more about us at CovenantShreveport.org. Hey everyone, welcome to the Nicene Creed. My name's Weston Brown. We hope that you've been enjoying this special podcast and that you've been making an effort to not only read, but to also memorize the Nicene Creed. That's our special challenge to you this Lent, and so we begin each episode by reading the full creed. Read it aloud with us, where you are. You can find a link to the text in our show notes. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth We've looked at a good bit of history surrounding the creation of the Nicene Creed, but there's still so much more, and we only have a couple of weeks left. So today we're going to talk some about how Arianism, the heretical teaching of Arius that said that Jesus was not of the same substance as God the Father, continued even after the doctrine was denounced by the Council of Nicaea. Next week, we'll look at the Council of Constantinople, which convened in 381, 56 years after the Council of Nicaea, and without which, we wouldn't have the creed in the form we have it today. And then finally, we'll consider how Arianism continues even to this day, and some of the modern groups that espouse Arian ideology. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, following the Council of Nicaea in 325, Arius and many of his compatriots were stripped of their positions and exiled. This included priests and bishops within the church. By order of the Roman Emperor Constantine, Arius' writings were also burned, and a decree was issued stating that any person found to be in possession of a copy of Arius' writing without the express intent to burn it could be punished by death. So, pretty steep consequences. And one would think that that would have more than stamped out any who would seek to espouse or teach Arian doctrine. However, it didn't go away at all. Only a few short years later, most of the bishops and priests who had been exiled, including Arius, were not only allowed to return, but were also able to be reinstated as clergy. The most significant was a man we've talked about before, named Eusebius of Nicomedia. Eusebius was a friend of Arius who had served as his primary defender at Nicaea. You may recall that the key Greek word employed by the creed was the word homoousios, which means of one substance or of the same substance. When we say the creed, we say that Christ was of one being with the Father. That's homoousius. However, Eusebius and the Arians argued for use of a slightly different word, homoousius, which is spelled pretty much the same way, with the exception of an added I. Homoousius, however, means of like substance. Thus, they argued, Jesus' being is like that of the father, but not the same as the father. Eusebius, who was also exiled, not only returned from exile, but eventually became bishop of Constantinople, one of the most powerful cities in the Roman Empire. Constantinople, formerly the ancient city of Byzantium, was called thus because in 330, Constantine declared it to be the new capital of the Roman Empire. So, Eusebius, a formerly exiled Arian, returns to become bishop of the Roman capital. And as we alluded to last week, the church at this time comes out of the shadows of persecution and powerlessness and finds itself the recipient of great power and influence. Now, Christian bishops, and especially those in significant cities like Constantinople, are dominant figures. Before Constantine's death, he was baptized as a Christian by none other than Eusebius, and Eusebius continued his imperial relationship with Constantine's son, Constantius, who became emperor of the Eastern Roman Empire at Constantine's death. While Constantine had been emperor of both the Eastern and Western Empire, following his death, it was divided between two sons, Constantius in the East and Constans in the West. And this becomes sort of a dividing line with regards to Arianism, with more Eastern Christians tending to favor the belief and more Western Christians being opposed to it. But it was with Constantius, who would eventually become emperor of the entire empire, that Arianism found a sympathetic ear. Under Constantius, a number of eastern church councils were held that heavily favored Arianism. Eventually, just as Arius and Eusebius had been exiled, so were many of the Homoousian party, most notably Athanasius of Alexandria, known today by many as Saint Athanasius, as well as the Bishop of Rome. Athanasius had long been one of the most outspoken opponents of Arian ideology, and under Constantius, he is condemned and stripped of his position as Bishop of Alexandria. Constantius convened what are known as the Councils of Sirmium, which took place in modern-day Serbia. The Councils of Sirmium were not ecumenical councils, like the Council of Nicaea, in that there wasn't any real representation from the worldwide church. But nevertheless, the councils produced a sort of anti-Nicene creed, which ultimately came to be known as the Blasphemy of Sirmium. But in the moment, it was quite a victory for Arianism. In a somewhat strange move, perhaps treated like a sort of compromise, the creed that came out of the Fourth Council of Sirmium basically rejected both Homoousius and Homoeusius in favor of another Greek word, homoios, which is even more derivative only meaning like. Jesus is only like the Father in the Sermium Creed. While on the surface, Arianism had seemingly come back from the brink to become dominant, it was actually short-lived and would have never happened had it not been for Constantius. This is evidenced in the fact that once Constantius died in 361, the church pretty quickly reverts back to an orthodox Nicene position. However, this reveals that even less than 100 years into Christianity being somewhat mainstream, the relationship between church and state was murky at best, with the state wielding a great deal of influence even in matters of church doctrine and leadership. After Constantius' death, three church fathers were key in the move back to Nicene Orthodoxy, Basil of Caesarea, also known as Basil the Great, Gregory Nazianzus, Archbishop of Constantinople, and Gregory, Bishop of Nyssa. Additionally, the new emperor, Theodosius, would once again outlaw Arianism. All of this, though, is leading us to the second ecumenical church council known as the Council of Constantinople, which would both affirm and add to the Creed of Nicaea. Join us next time as we begin looking at the third section of the Nicene Creed concerning the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Giver of Life.